Morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone here this morning. This morning, we're just going to talk a little bit about Jesus. Very simple lesson. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 11, So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus of Nazareth. Where was he from? Did the study, I got to thinking about all the memories, so many I've etched in my mind. Remember the schools I was raised in, the world I was raised in, the schools I went to, the holidays we celebrated, the holidays others celebrated, many events in my young life. I was raised in a church. I remember the church at Linwood when I was really small. People there were the Warwicks, the Coheys, and the, the Foxes. This little kid. Churches at Montebello and Cyprus, those churches. I remember those. I grew up all through my teenage years. How that affected me in my life. I grew up, I remember the diet we had. Mom was from Oklahoma, had some of the red beets, cornbread. I was raised that kind of world I was raised in. And uh, all the blue collar kind of people I was raised with. My dad was a mechanic. There was, so my grandpa worked the oil fields. Jack Stockup, we all know him. Those kind of people I was raised with. The blue collar type of folks. Remember the government as I was being raised. First impact in my life, the Savage President Kennedy. Troubles of Vietnam at home and abroad. I remember those things. Resignation of President Nixon. I remember that. I remember all the families in my life at the time and their political views. We can all look back, reflect on the cultures we were raised in and those around us and our families and our neighbors and our friends and the values that made us who we are kind of made them who they are, how it kind of formed them. Look at other folks, many of them have lived a long way from home, where they were raised, and how they're affected by their younger years. Their hometown, their home church, their family, you might say they're raising. The old saying, you can take the kid out of the hills, but you can't take the hills out of the kid. There's just a little bit of truth in that. Many of our lives are defined by the circle of culture which we're brought up in. Around here, look at all the depression people, all the similarities they have, how much they're alike, how it affected them in all their older years. As one old sailor said, his navigational chart was established in his childhood. Tom Brokaw wrote a book called A Long Way From Home. In that book, he quoted this, I could not be the man I was I am, no, it cannot be the man I am today with the boy I was yesterday in a far away place a long time ago. He was raised in South Dakota, long ways to New York. The question this morning is, we ever thought about Jesus in that way? What shaped him? We know he was the son of God, but he's also a man like us. Hebrews 4 and 15, the Bible says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize in our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Tempted in all ways like we are. He understands us. He was affected by things like we are. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He had emotions. He showed. Like us in many ways. Jesus raised from a child to a man. We know what was common and normal for us. What was common and normal for Jesus as he's being raised? Did his raising affect his adult life? What kind of environment did he come from? 
We're going to discuss his human element, you might say, this morning. We're going to cover some questions in his life in the lesson. For example, Nazareth, what kind of town was it? What type of life was it in Jesus' day? The government in his day and time. His town's relationship with government. The influence of government in his day-to-day life. A little bit about the family of Joseph and Mary as he's being raised. How did a couple raise Jesus in a time like this? We're going to talk about where Jesus came from, and maybe we will see how his past affected some of his life in his later years. Maybe some of his teachings. We'll get to that. Reconstruct and dig down a little bit all the evidence I can find in Scripture, archaeology, and history about Nazareth. Modern-day Nazareth is a very busy tourist city. Being the hometown of Jesus is a pilgrimage for many, many people. People go there to see where Jesus grew up, buy souvenirs from the vendors, look at the sites. Modern-day Nazareth, there's a lot to see there. There's a place there in a church that said the angel Gabriel came down and he told Mary about the divine conception. Whether it's true or not, we don't know, but that's more they have there. It's a noisy city with a mix of Palestinian Christians and Christian Muslims in one part of the city, Jews of different sects in another part of the city. It is separately. There's satellite dishes, construction sites, heavy traffic, a lot of Mercedes-Benz cars, KFCs, cell phones, honking double-parked cars like you would think. Very busy place. Not much in common with current Nazareth and the Nazareth of Jesus. 20th century separate the two. Layers of debris of all type are stacked over. It's quite a job to uproot and find the town where Jesus' Galilean roots were. In John 1, 45 and 46, the Bible says this. Philip found Nathanael. Nathanael said to him, We have found him of whom Moses is the law, Moses is, is in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Did anything good come of Nazareth? Did anything good come of Nazareth? Sounds like an insult to me. Why do you think he said this? Did they have a bad reputation? Or just not have any reputation at all? Outside the Gospels and early Christian texts, there's no record before the Emperor Constantine of the city of Nazareth at all. It's ever mentioned by Jewish rabbis in history when discussing the Talmud. It's not there. They mention 63 other Galilean towns, but they don't mention Nazareth. And Josephus, who we all pretty much know about, in his writings, he mentions 45 sites in Galilee. He never mentions Nazareth. It's almost like it's a never, never known insignificant town. It's not mentioned in the Old Testament. There's nothing connecting Nazareth to God's messianic plan. The discussion we saw here, we see here in John 1 between Philip and Nathaniel, this statement only makes sense in the conversation they're having about the Messiah. Nathaniel sees no connection between Nazareth and God's messianic plan. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. This should be no surprise. At that time, like now, writing and... Uh, political power and upper-class activity. Those who learned to read and write were the rulers, the wealthy, the scribes, the like like that. 
not someone from Nazareth. The elite cared little about the majority of people, what went on in the small areas, in rural villages, in countryside towns, which really what was what Nazareth was. And we shall see Nazareth was basically a peasant town, the population of about 2,000, give or take, depends on which period scholar you read. That's about what it was, I'd just say about 2,000. The Jewish village, adhering to what was called temple-oriented Judaism, which we get to in a few minutes, we talk about Jesus's, the religion in Jesus' time. So basically, Jesus was a Jewish peasant. Background similar to many we know today. Like saying he was from Arvin, pretty much, or a home like he was from Sanger. Sanger's close to Fresno, Arvin's close to Bakersfield. L.A. could be the Jerusalem. You know, that's, that's kind of the way the situation it was, a little town like that. Look at me, the heritage here today. Despo people, and look at some of the folks that I've known in my life. We all know our history, you know mine. Love and labor a lot. Know what it's like to not have much. That's kind of where Jesus came from. A peasant at the time of Jesus in a town like Nazareth had little time to read or write usually. So I said before, that mostly upper class people. They go to the temple, but their day-to-day -day life is usually pretty busy. They mostly work on the land. Many were farmers. Some are tradesmen. Some are merchants. We'll discuss this later, how it's evident in his teachings, his dialogue. They're having knowledge of some of these things, the temple, agriculture, things like that. Pretty much most think there was a rock quarry nearby. There's a town by there. Evident rock quarry has been found. Some of Nazareth may have worked at that rock quarry, had rocks from that rock quarry. They may have been manufactured there in Nazareth. We don't know. Joseph was a carpenter at the time. Being a carpenter consisted more than hammering and nails, and it does today. At the time, many skills were involved, working from stone, the abundance of stone nearby maybe, making farm implements, plows, ox carts, furniture, maybe tooling, other necessities, similar to the, the blacksmith of our past years. Meaning, meaning this economic level, they struggled. Just trying to make the ends meet. Had to pay taxes, which was a great big deal back then, and live in what was left. In archaeological digs around Nazareth, they found cups and bowls out of limestone nearby. They found wood cups, little bowls, as evidence they've been turned on lays. They have a centering point in them. You might think, well, back then they might not have had lays. Well, I got documentation in my Bible here. It's back to 300 BC, they had evidence of lays called rope lays. They had the string lays. So they may not be as primitive back then as we think of the things they found. No lays have been found there, we know they exist. We can tell they're not rich or fluent, by the, well, not only by the way Mary and Joseph lived or where they lived, but by their journey to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. Most of you are familiar with this story. Bethlehem was about 75 miles or so south of Nazareth, with Mary being that far along. Think about it, your wife being nine months pregnant, putting her on a donkey or ox cart and taking her 75 miles away in some dirt road. It really wouldn't be the thing you would want to do. You'd want to stay home. But they had to go. When they went, there's no place to stay. They stayed in a manger. Knowing now what we do about Nazareth, it may not be surprising. 
Prince of Nazareth, living where they lived, come to where they went for an official visit? Yes, if they're upper wealthy class, things may have been different. Money talked then just as it does now. Connections counted then just as they do now. Obviously, Joseph didn't have money, didn't have connections. There have been many archaeological digs around the Nazareth area. There's a town four miles north of Nazareth called Sephoris. They've done a lot of digs around that place. It's one of Herod's so-called capitals. Herod had a palace at Sephoris. It was a Jewish town with a Roman presence. So they had Roman overseers seeing it. Even though it was a Jewish town, they were doing their best. It said the town resembled a miniature Caesarea. They found evidence of over 20 baths, fancy houses with mosaic floors, plastered walls, some even two-story, a lot of Arab coins in there in the, in the area when they dug it up. You can tell what was found by what type of city it was, the people that lived there. In Nazareth, for example, we know it was this Jewish settlement. Diet of a Jewish peasant was simple and small. Their main foods were probably bread, olives, grapes, simple things like that. Lentil soup, maybe, some nuts and cheese, depending on the season. Meat was occasionally there, with fish, mutton or goat. Remember, they were Jews, ate as Jews did. No pig bones were found in those digs. Other animal bones were, but not pig bones. Meat was not probably at every meal. Maybe on a special occasion when they had it. You dig the rich political figures, you dig in places like the forest, things were different. Different findings and remains. They find different things. Evidence of a diet being different, clothing being different, even finding jewelry, some of the grave sites. You didn't find any ivory when they're digging at Nazareth. You didn't find things like that. Those day and times, as a peasant, a case of the flu or an abscess tooth, an infection like that could kill you. There's a remedy for those things. Life expectancy was, was less than it is now, even less than it was in the urban areas, the more populated areas. They had to work harder. They weren't cared for as well. Childhood death was common. Think about the risk of traveling with Jesus as a newborn. Remember, they went to Egypt after he was born. As a newborn, they had to travel all the way to Egypt. As a parent, think of your concerns and the faith that it took to do those things. Scholars figured about half the children at that time died in infancy. And maybe half of those lived to adulthood. They didn't make it to adulthood. They died too. He went famous come from Nazareth? Didn't seem so. Unknown village? Folks who lived close to the edge didn't travel much. Famous people didn't come from places like Nazareth. The famous were the Jews in Jerusalem or people like that. And there existed a circle that's pretty inclusive. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. The Bible says this. His parents went to Jerusalem every year. Remember this, Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they finished the days, they returned the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it, 
But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So, they, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So now it was, and after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This amazement was not only he was 12, but if Nazareth, with his background, could be so smart in the scriptures. He could be so informed. 12 years old. Imagine they asked him who he was, where he was from. At 12, did Jesus know how to read? It doesn't say really he read. It says he discussed the scriptures with them, the reason with them. That's amazing. 12 years old. Where would that knowledge come from, being of Nazareth? No formal teaching or training. He had them shaking their heads. I was wondering where these guys were. 22 years later, when Jesus started his ministry, did some of them remember Jesus? Did Jesus remember some of them? Remember, every year it said they went. So there's a familiarity with this. We'll get to this later in the lesson. So when he, 22 years later, when he was 20 years later, he was 12 here, so our ministry is 30, these guys in the temple, you're so amazed at him this year. Were there other years like this? So Jesus probably knew some of these people. He touched faith with later on in his life, from his earlier years. He knew how it worked. He knew how it was in Jerusalem. He had a history, you might say, of being in the temple. And with some of those people there. Story also indicates it's probably dangerous traveling then. That's one reason why they did it in groups. He's looking out for the other. Kind of the wagon trains. In the old west, you see in the movies, all the wagon trains circle the wagons. We all know about that for protection. The same principle was there. We had Indians then, but that time they had bandits, just like they've had all over the place, like they have in many places right now. We'll ambush you on your journeys if you're out away from everywhere. They probably just together each time they went for safety and to make it easier on each other. It mentions their relatives and acquaintances. They had relatives. We know Jesus had siblings. We'll get to that in a few minutes. He had four brothers and at least two sisters. Because in, it says sisters, it mentions a plural. So at least six. There may have been others. We don't know those things. But imagine, as a parent, your worries and concerns, traveling a day and time like that, with that many children, what would you be thinking? We don't know how much other travel Jesus did in his early years. We know they went to Egypt and back when he was a baby. Figured they were in Egypt about two years. So he was just a toddler when they came back from Egypt. That's also probably a rough journey also. Remember the life expectancy of a child, the risks they were taking. And you know, traveling we don't know about. Maybe they went up to Sephora's because it was close by. Remember it was just four miles north. That's not very far. May went there to conduct business, deal with the Romans sometimes. 
Joseph was a carpenter, trained his, training his sons to be carpenter. Maybe went there for work, did a lot of construction there. In a few minutes, we'll find out there was an amphitheater there. There's always 20 bass, a lot of things going on. They may have went there for labor. We really don't know. Another way to find the economic level, the life of people there, is look at material in those digs that are not common, not from the area. As I said, like you didn't find ivory in Nazareth. Things like pottery, jewelry, perfume containers, glassware, period cones, things imported. None of this was found in Nazareth. What they found in Nazareth were things made of local materials, things made in the area. Which maybe that quarry nearby. There are no grand tombs found, no great engravings found, no grand homes or palaces found, none of those things, none of those ruins, just evidence of simple people with simple lives. That's the world Jesus was in in Nazareth. People ask, was Jesus a carpenter when he was young? The Bible says in Mark 6 and 3, this where it talks about his brothers and sisters, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they offended at him. Is this not the carpenter? That time in the Jewish world is common to train your sons in a trade. Preferably the trade of the father. It was not uncommon for him to do this. All Jews were taught to be able to take care of themselves. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18, verse 3, talks about being a tent maker. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, yet he was a tent maker. He knew a trade and a craft. So it's not that unusual at the time to do that. So yes, Jesus, not only was the father a carpenter, he was a carpenter. Because it was a normal thing, his normal, remember, was different than ours, at the time to do that. Be able to have a way to take care of yourself. Nazareth did not attract attention, become a historical site, until after the conversion of Constantine in 312 AD. That's almost 300 years after the death of Christ before people ever thought about going to Nazareth or being a pilgrimage place. It still wasn't that popular even after Jesus died for hundreds of years. Religion in Jesus' day. The time of Jesus, the Temple of Jerusalem had, I didn't write this, but the guys call it priest dominated Jewish religion. That's what the experts call it. Which means basically the priests ran everything. The Pharisees were the most influential priests of the time. Most religious leaders, the scribes and scholars, the Pharisees, they lived in urban settings, you might say. Some were wealthy. They were sure not poor. Many had enough support to write and perform tasks for the temple and for the people. Many were well-known, they were popular with the people, prominent many gatherings they had, people you wanted to have at your gatherings because of who they were. Pomp and circumstance was evident at that time. In the synagogues, the outlying areas like Nazareth were gathering place for the community, which marriages were done, circumcisions done, meetings held, things like that. All the scriptures read out loud from Hebrew to Aramaic whatever the home language was, used Aramaic in Jesus' time. Elders were consulted. Traditions talked about. Traditions were a lot bigger thing then than they are now. Now people kind of just do what they want to do, kind of ignore traditions of their parents or their families. Then it was a pretty big deal. The Jewish tradition 
of a peasant at the time of Jesus of Galilee was important to everyone. The Jewish tradition of a priest at the time really was this. The synod family, the births and deaths of people, the Sabbath, seasonal celebrations, daily meals, and opportunities to pass on his traditions, passed on from Moses to them. Being good Jews is very important. Living in Galilee, there was somewhat removed from the temple in Jerusalem, a distance that might have been spiritual as well as in mileage. Things were a bit different in Galilee and Jerusalem, but also some similarities too, which we'll find later on. Nazareth had a synagogue. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, 17, the Bible says, So he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, which came back here to preach after he was an adult. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet, Isaiah. Opened the book, he found the place where it was written. We'll get to the rest of it in just a minute. But the last part of that chapter, let's turn to read verses 28 to 30 in chapter 4. So all those in the synagogue when he heard these things were filled with wrath, and rose and thrust him out of the city, led him out to the brow of a hill which the city was built. They might throw him over a cliff. Then, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Reading tells us a little bit about the city. The city built on a hill. It had a cliff. The ledge at the end of it, they're going to throw him off. Evidently high enough to kill him. We thought we had some honorary friends. Well, that's, they turned it in pretty quick. He went from much say here to zero real quick. He's popular before he came into town after one sermon. This is what they're trying to do. But the way the town was, this makes sense of having that cliff. In Rena, a town by Nazareth and Sephora, where they found that limestone quarry, evidence of a workshop and some tools for the quarry. Having that kind of makeup, the rocks and everything, geographically, yes, that cliff would be there. But they have no idea what, what the form of the synagogue had. There's no ar archaeological evidence. I have a hard time with that word, excuse me. Archaeological evidence. There's nothing been discovered. They found ones in towns similar to Nazareth in the time of Jesus, town of Gola and Gamla. Ones that says they exist in the time of Christ, but not as grand as you might expect. Moses also, they figured, built at a communal expense. Everybody got together, put their funds together and built them. They weren't big, rich, grand things like it was in other places. But there's not enough evidence to tell much else about them. The Bible tells nothing about the leaders of the synagogue in Nazareth. What kind of influence they had on Jesus, who they were, all that we know about him is this in-game here, what happened to him here. What reference to them is in Luke. Let's go back and read what it says when it says, place where it was written. Let's read on Luke from 16 on. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. This is what he's telling the people in Nazareth, in the synagogue, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, cover sight to the blind, set liberty to those who are oppressed, to, to proclaim the acceptance year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded, proceeded out of his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? 
Seems he heard that before when he was 12 at the temple, didn't he? <coughs> Familiar with these kinds of things. Maybe some of the shock was not only that he's, he, was, he was there teaching to him about the Messiah, but that he was his Messiah. He was home, his home church, so to speak. Remember, most did not read well then. He was a carpenter's son, one they knew. Here he's reading. That may have been one shock right there. And the knowledge and ability are for the elite, the well-schooled, the scribal experts. And Jesus came with this. Now, Jesus, before he came there, he had done a lot of miracles. He had a following when he came to Nazareth. He was already getting kind of famous when he came. But Jesus knew here, he learned here as he learned before, the separation, religion, status, social position was so evident. As peasant regular people, if you can't read, it doesn't mean, if you're illiterate, it doesn't mean that you're ignorant. It just means you don't know how to read. Those people were smart. They knew the ways, traditions were passed down like they had always been, the Old Testament traditions. They passed down by actions or words. They knew the scriptures by listening to them and memorizing them. And by doing it, they could live the life of good Jews. They're very religious people. So when Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, as he did, there's one reason the level of amazement leaders the congregation. Saying he was Messiah put him on a different level. Jesus preached to them and he warned them in his lesson there. Instead of heeding the warning, they're enraged. They wouldn't take it from him. The Bible speaks of their unbelief, which is really, really sad. Think of Jesus' feeling for all those people there, his relatives, friends and acquaintances. And they rejected him. How he must have felt. Even though it was wrong to inflict punishment on the Sabbath, and these people there knew that, they were not swayed by that. On that day, they took him out, threw him off the cliff. No miracles in Nazareth, just attempted murder. And how sad that is. Such was religion in Jesus' day in his hometown. Far away from Jerusalem, but not that different from Jerusalem, was it? All excavations in the areas have uncovered no paved streets, no bathhouses, no palaces, no theaters, no defensive walls around the city, none of those things. They found one house and no mansion. They're still working on digging that up, see how that is. They found evidence of olive presses or wine presses. They found water cisterns. Evidence of grain silos from farming. Grinding stones scattered about. As I said, no pig bones. It was a kosher town, you might say, just as the forest was in other ones. A town of simple working folks trying to make it the best they could. A small town boy raised in the ways of religion with the traditions of Moses living in the Roman world. So was Nazareth, a small town over the hill, walking distance of forest with Jesus' home. Jesus of Nazareth. One more aspect, real quick, I know I'm almost out of time. The outside world in his day, how that affected his world. I don't believe in that day and time, there's a lot of, they had a lot of association with the outside world. The Jews, as is now modern day Nazareth, as many areas of the world, they live separately as much as they can. They had lived in a Roman society, but they lived in what you might say a closed community. There was business and government activity, the association of traveling included the outside world, 
but not that much. Remember, Jesus got in trouble later in life for associating with the outside world. After he called Matthew out, Matthew had dinner at his house, he went to his house. Got in trouble for eating with the publicans and sinners. Mixing isn't good. Remember the Samaritan woman, mixing isn't good. The Old Testament, read the Old Testament, when the Jews got too close and mixed too well with people of the world, kind of got them in trouble. That was carried over. That's the life they were living at that time. We know the outside world affected him. Affected him from his birth. Remember, his parents had to flee to Egypt after he was born. And he has the outside world to put him to death. Sadly, he lived in a very violent world. We talk about brutality in our world now. And there is a lot of, a lot of brutality in our world. And it's awful. This is very common in the time of Jesus. Jesus' time, the lands he lived in, it was very, very common, the brutality. I think he was comprehend living in such conditions that Jesus knew as he grew up of how it was. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, the flight to Egypt. When he departed, behold, angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, seek the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there till I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child and destroy him. When he rose, he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. It was there until the death of Herod that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I call my son. And Herod, when he saw, he was deceived by the wise men. He was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth to put to death all the male children of Bethlehem and all of his districts, from two years old and under, according to time which he had determined from the wise men. Some say it was hundreds, some say it was thousands. We don't know. We just know it was brutal and horrific. We know that Jesus grew up, he was aware of that. The kind of world he lived in. It's just kind of rough. Think about raising your child in a world like that. You had to flee because they're after him. When you came back even, living that, that real close to Roman province, or Roman capital right there. That close to the Romans, knowing this about them. A few years after Christ was born, that city of Sephora's I spoke of, before B.C., it was burned to the ground. That's the same after Herod died. It was burned to the ground. About 3,000 people were killed. The rest of the inhabitants were sold into slavery. All kinds of unspeakable things were done there in that town, right in Jesus' neighborhood, four miles north of him. When one historian said the guilty were crucified on the roadside outside of Sephora's. Remember, Nazareth was only four miles from there. What a world Jesus was raised in. He knew crucifixions as he was young. Because that was in 4 BC when that was done. What an environment. What a strange normal to live in. It seems that Roman and Jewish, in, in that world, Roman and Jewish submission was necessity or else. And that's why Christ's teaching was so refreshing when he came along. Because of the way the world was. Also found the Sephora's was a theater, capacity of about 4,000, a place for entertainment, all those things. That was common in the day. The Apostle Paul even refers to uh, finding beasts at Ephesus in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. That was a common thing at that time, those kinds of things. Herod Roman rulers were treacherous to all. Herod murdered, murdered his, own, his own son. We can go on and on with these folks. We just know how they were. Historian Josephus speaks of thousands being crucified around Jerusalem. 
Remember, Jesus went there once a year. He's very familiar with Jerusalem, what went on there. After the death of Herod, Herod died in 4 BC when they moved back. There were 2,000 crucified at that time in Jerusalem. After the destruction of Jerusalem, there was 500 a day they figured crucified. All through Jesus' life, crucifixion was a normal thing. Violence in the world, Jewish world, the Roman world, from his own people. Jesus saw it, he heard about it, was victim of it from beginning to end. What a normal life to have to deal with. For man to be on violence that much, to be after him that much for his whole life, to teach things like he did is amazing. Just that should make you in awe. So when Jesus was baptized by John, that's where he headed into. And he knew it. He knew all about it. Jesus started to teach the people, not the leaders, followed him. He spoke their language. His teaching was different. He taught like no other. Know what we know now, some of the teaching makes more sense. It references to agriculture. Turn the other cheek. Because he saw so much violence, knew where the root was. I knew where it led to. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, read that. Thinking this, knowing where Jesus came from. Think where some of that came from his heart. What he was raised, how it affected him. How he dealt with those really, truly in need. The blind, the beggars, the lame, those of low estate. Even the variety of people he chose, the apostles. No road scholars there. Who did he choose? Talked about the rich man Lazarus, the Pharisee and the publican in the prayer. And the leaders, religious leaders of the time. He knew their hearts. He knew where to hit them. He knew what to say. Been on the temple for years since his youth. Remember he talked about the temple? Talked about all the activity in the temple? How could a kid from Nazareth know all that? Well, he knew it. He'd been going there a long time. He recognized how it really was. He had seen it, lived it, and suffered because of it. By knowing the story where he came from, maybe we understand better how he lived his life, why he responded like he did, why he did what he did, why he taught as he did. He covered the whole spectrum. He's called the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He was crucified between two thieves alone. He, he covered all the territory. I tried to recreate the world of Jesus, recreate the time he lived in as he lived it, his hometown, his government, his religion, and some other items. Try to have what we could imagine living in Jesus' world, living how he did. We say we have it bad, we do sometimes. Not even close to what he had as I presented it. Remember, going back to Hebrews, when it said in Hebrews, He's suffered, been tempted always as we are. He knows how we feel. In our lives and our struggles, if we ever wonder if Jesus understands us, if we know, want to know how he really, really feels, he does. We talk about the word sympathy. Sympathy is a feeling or a pity for another. You're sad for their situation. Jesus has more than that. He has what the word called empathy. He actually knows how we feel. Empathy is defined by our ability to understand how someone else feels, understand your compassion. Not just sad for them, you really actually know how they feel. That's what it means in Hebrews. He actually knows how we feel. We're tempted. He's as us. And knowing what he put himself, knowing that world, he came from heaven and entered that world. 
be sacrificed for us. You talk about what love is. It's almost, I can't comprehend that kind of love. To be sitting at the right hand of God and come down into a world like that and go through he did just for us. That, is, that to me is just amazing. That should make us emotional at times for that. What he's done for us, what he went through. Hopefully this lets me understand a little bit about, what, a little bit more what he went through. But where he came from. Maybe some, why he talked about like he did about some things. It helped me read some of the stories of Jesus, knowing some of these things. It made more sense to me. That's my lesson this morning. I spoke a little longer than I thought I was going to. I hope you've made something, make you think this morning about Jesus. Probably may have brought you closer to Jesus, how you can become closer to him. We all want to go to heaven together. The way to do it is become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, well, you can do that this time. You've heard the word taught. I did my best this morning to teach the word, to teach you a little bit about Jesus. You have to repent. This repent, you shall likewise perish, Luke 13 and 3. You have to confess as, a, the, as, a, as, a, as an Acts chapter 8. Philip and the eunuch, the confession is there. Be baptized, rise, be baptized, wash away your sins, call the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and 16, the apostle Paul was told he was baptized. You can do those things and become a Christian this morning. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.